0: And really, uh, that kind of ties in a little bit, at least, on on where we're at this morning as we are continuing in our sermon series uh, through the Apostles' Creed. Uh, this morning, we're focused on that, that line in the Creed where it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And so what I'm going to do first, though, is I'm going to invite us to stand together, uh, and we're going to join in pro- professing our faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed as we allow these words to form us and to shape us. So let's join together I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so we're we're now focused on that part of the creed that says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Uh, and this part raises some questions because... Well, we're not a Catholic church. Uh, so, so what does that mean? What does it mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church? Uh, and kind of the first thing that it means is when we say Catholic, it doesn't refer to the Roman Catholic Church, but it just kind of means universal, the, the worldwide church. Uh, but for us, even more so, it means we believe that God has called all people who believe in Jesus together uh, to form a new family called church. That there's a worldwide fellowship united in Jesus, set apart by the Holy Spirit to be holy. And even though the church oftentimes is is less than holy, uh, it has its imperfections, uh, God still somehow works among us. And so it means regardless of, of the name on the outside of the building, regardless of the name of the denomination, uh, whether it's Catholic or Presbyterian or, or Lutheran or Baptist, non-denominational or Methodist, uh, if we're united in Jesus, then we're all on the same team. We share in the same mission. Uh, and, and I was just thinking, I don't know how many people saw kind of our, our April Fool's Facebook joke yesterday as we're, we're talking about a new name. I thought maybe this morning we could call ourselves, you know, what What if we just rename our church? We're the Holy Catholic Church. I wonder, like, how much controversy that would stir up. But that's not one of the top two choices, though. But But, but basically, if... If we're in Christ, if we are united with Christ, then we are on the same mission. We are, we're on the same team. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. Uh, our first scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 11 through 22. So I'm going to invite you to open up with me there in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 11 through 22. And Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, the those who are gathered in, in their a community that's gathered uh, of all kinds of different places and people, uh, Jews and Gentiles gathered together, trying to figure out what it looks like for them to be church. And so he writes to them and he says this. He says, So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth who were called the uncircumcision by those who were called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace in his flesh. He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and he might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father." So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him. The whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Uh, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. I mean, really at the core of what Paul is saying here, uh, using a lot of words to say it, is that uh, as followers of Jesus, you're all on the same team. That what Jesus has done for us is that he has brought us peace with God. And that he's brought peace between people and all of the differences that we might have. Uh, God had chosen a people, the people of Israel, to be his covenant people, uh, to be a holy people, people who were set apart for him. Uh, They were to carry out his mission. They were to receive the reward of God's promises, and they were to be a light to the Gentiles, which Gentiles is anybody who is not a Jew. Uh, They were to draw all Gentiles, all non-Jewish persons towards God. But rather than being a light, uh, Jews and Gentiles were constantly battling one another. They were constantly at odds with one another. And so where they fell short, Jesus steps in. Through his death on the cross, Jesus invited all people, including us Gentiles who are gathered here, uh, to be a part of God's covenant people as we place our faith in Jesus. And Jesus, those of us who have been far off were brought near to God. And those who were already part of God's covenant, people were brought even closer to know God. And as we draw closer to Jesus, uh, as we draw closer to him, we're, we're to be brought closer to one another as well. Uh, God's plan of salvation wasn't just to have uh, individual Christians who find this relationship with Jesus and then go live our lives individually on our own. Uh, but the God's intentions are to bring Christians into relationship with one another even Christians as different as Jews and Gentiles uh, together as one body, as one family. Christians as different as those who are from New Jersey and California, uh, Canada and the Caribbean, and all around the world to be brought together in one body. And these relationships that God desires for us are formed through the church. And scripture gives us all kinds of visions and ideas of what the church would look like. One of my favorite is found in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. It's it's giving us this picture of heaven, showing us this glimpse of what heaven might look like. Uh, and, and it tells us, uh, as John is looking into heaven, he says this, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, They cried out in a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. He he highlights this, right? People from all kinds of different backgrounds. He sees them all worshiping together in heaven. People from all kinds of different nations, from every different tribe, from every different language, all gathered together before the throne of God, worshiping God. And In some ways, it it gives us like a hopeful vision of what we could be like, and in some ways, it it offers to us a little bit of a critique of, of how maybe we're not living out the full vision of what Christ calls us to be. When I look around, I, I tend to see a, a lot of one tribe. Uh, there's, there's other tribes that are out there that, that are missing from our community that enables us to be the full expression of what the kingdom of heaven might look like. Uh, and so as John is telling us that this is what heaven looks like, it's it's what God desires for us, to be united together as one body in Christ Jesus to build relationships that care for one another, to build the kind of relationships that strengthen one another, the kind of relationships that encourage one another. You know, another one of my favorite uh, visions for what the church should look like is found in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 26. This whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, is talking about the church. Paul is making the allusion to the body of Christ. He's saying, you know, that we as followers of Jesus uh, form a body of, Together, And so he talks about all the different gifts and the ways in which we need one another. Uh, and then as he gets to this, through this long list of the ways that we need one another as Christ, he says this, uh, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with one another. And I think this is such a beautiful expression for what it means for us to to be as the church, for what we are to be for one another as those who are united in Christ. That if you're going through a difficult or a challenging time, then the church gathers around you, that people who are also in Christ gather around you to walk alongside of you through the midst of that difficulty and challenge. It means that if you're rejoicing, if there's something that's good that's going on in your life, that we're going to come around you and celebrate that good stuff alongside of you. And I don't know about you, but this isn't something that I could just do on my own. It's not something that I just have in my strength or power to do. Uh, We kind of see that as we look at the world around us, right? That there's not a whole lot of of suffering with one another, not a whole lot of... um, people who are joining together to, to celebrate with one another. Uh, rather, when we look at the world, we see a lot of people pushing for division, to find ways to separate us, to find ways to, to break us down. Uh, we see the devil trying to, to separate us, to, to help us to see the ways in which we're different and how we, we can't overcome that on our own. To, we see, uh, as we look at the world around us, uh, I think Satan trying to push us to pursue our own individual desires, to lift up ourselves and our wants and our needs uh, over others, which just kind of further isolates and separates us. But what Christ calls us to uh, is to not lift up ourselves as king, but to lift him up as king and to follow in his way of service and his way of sacrifice to to follow his lead. And as we follow Jesus, to be drawn together with one another, uh, to be drawn together as one body that we call the church. And one of the great things that happens as we are drawn to one another. Uh, our Ephesians passage tells us is we become the household of God. As we are drawn together in Christ with him as the cornerstone, we become the household of God, a dwelling place for God. That as we are gathered together as the body of Christ, God dwells among us. That his presence is with us to to transform us, to heal us, uh, to give us strength, to, to meet us with his very power. And I don't think it means that God can't be present when we're by ourselves. But that there's some way in which God shows up in a special and a unique way when we are gathered with others. When we are truly living as the body of Christ together. When all of our hearts are are seeking him together. That he shows up. That he meets us in the midst of that. It's a reminder to us of how much we need each other. As followers of Jesus here at this local church, as local churches throughout our community join together, like we need each other in order to be the dwelling place of God, in order that we can carry out the mission that he's given us, right? We're all on the same team. We all have the same mission that's been given to us. Uh, and so there's one more passage I want to share with us that, that really helps to illuminate that mission that we have as followers of Christ. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Or we'll read verses 16 through 21. Uh, Paul is writing to the church and he's giving them instructions on how they are to live as followers of Jesus, how they are to live with one another. And so he says, uh, beginning here in verse 16, says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We no longer know him in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What Paul is saying here is that because I'm in Jesus, like I no longer look at people the same way. Because I'm in Jesus, my life has been transformed and changed so that it changes the way that I see things. I I look at the world. I look at people differently. And this is God's gift to all who are in Jesus, uh, that a new person is possible, that there's something new that can be done within my life that changes me and changes how I see the world around me. And that's great news uh, because I'm not sure about you, but there's some versions of my uh, of myself that I'm not too proud of, right? Some versions of the, the old me that I'm glad are, are no longer a part of who I am today. Uh, there are some versions uh, of each of us that I imagine we're, we're kind of glad uh, aren't here with us at this point in time. We were talking about this in a, in a Bible study this week, and somebody was mentioning, there's times, though, when that old self kind of shows back up on the shoulder. And it's kind of trying to convince you to go back into those ways. Um, and, and it's in those times that we have to say, no, like, I, I, I'm a different person. I've been made new in Christ. And, and we kind of push that old you off the shoulder, uh, that, that old way off the shoulder. And we don't choose to live in that way anymore because of what Christ has done for us. You might have an an old version of you that tends to show up from time to time. And I don't know what your struggles have been or are, or or what kind of situations you might have uh, been in. Uh, But what God promises is that new life is possible. Uh, That whatever old you is there, uh, whatever parts of that that anger, that that greed, that lust, that pride, that, that pushing for yourself that pushes others away. Uh, Whatever it is that is a part of your struggle, whatever challenge or addiction or habit that you've needed to let go of that, that is part of you, that there's something new that God can do in your life through Christ Jesus, that through his grace, a new beginning can take place because in Jesus, God is reconciling the world to himself. God has enabled us to have peace with him and it's a peace that passes all understanding. So I don't need to find peace in all of those other things anymore because my peace is in Christ. I don't have to worry about all of those other things anymore because I have a peace that comes from knowing Christ. This this deep down within my heart and my soul. As Paul talks about being reconciled with Christ, he then says that that we're invited to be reconciled with others that this is a part of the new work that God does within us, that we no longer see others as competition or as opposition, uh, but we see them as people who we are brought together, joined together with in Christ. And and so he uses this word reconcile, which means to make peace, uh, to be able to coexist in harmony. And so he's saying that in Jesus, God reconciled me to himself. God has reconciled you to himself. And God has offered this gift of reconciliation to all persons. And he invites us to live being reconciled with one another. He invites us to, to live this way with each other as the church. He invites us to be ministers of reconciliation out in the world around us, to be people who spread his peace, who spread his joy to those around them. And I think that's a part of what it means for us to be the church, is that, is that we become a place where we can practice being people of peace with one another. So when we go out in the world, we could share that peace with them. We could practice reconciliation amongst one another so that when we go out into a world that is filled with hostility, it's filled with everybody kind of looking out for themselves, That we're empowered and enabled. We've practiced this. We've got it figured out. We can help be ministers of reconciliation with those around us. We practice in the church forgiving one another because at some point in time, we're going to cause offense. So we learn what it means to be able to go up to somebody and say, hey, you know what, you did this, and it really hurt me, it offended me. We kind of let go of our pride, we admit, hey, I've got hurt, and I think you caused it, and then the other person in the church can say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Or they can apologize whenever they're confronted with what they did. And then the two of you are able to be at peace with each other. That's kind of how Christ calls us to live it out. We don't have to go around and say, hey, you know what so-and-so did to me? Rather, because I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, I can go to you and say, hey, this happened. Uh, We we need to figure this out. We need to work this out. Uh, We're both brothers and sisters in Christ. We We can work this out together. I can forgive because Christ has forgiven me. We need a place where we can practice that. We need a place uh, called the church where we can practice being patient with one another, where we can learn how to be patient because we know at some point in time we're going to lose it. We're going to lose our patience. Uh, And so church brings us into connection with people who have different ideas and different experiences and different ways of being. And so we learn how to be patient with one another, how to offer grace to one another because God first offered grace to us. In, in the church, in the family that's united in Christ, we practice caring for one another. We practice comforting one another. We practice suffering with one another because we see a world outside of us that is in so desperate need of comforting. And so we have the opportunity to practice that here, to create that, that place where, where we find healing and strength so that we can invite others to experience that healing and strength as well. We practice being a community of hope, encouraging one another because we see a world that's so desperate in need of the hope of Jesus. And so we encourage each other in the church. We build one another up. We form the kind of connections and relationships that enables us to speak into each other's lives. The kind of connections and relationships that invite us to be vulnerable, to be able to say, this is what's going on and I need you to to lift me up. I need you to encourage me. I I need you to hold me accountable to this person I'm trying to be. It's part of why we encourage Sunday school and small groups within our church, because we need those places where we get to know one another well enough, where we can feel comfortable, where we can feel safe with being our, our true self and inviting others to speak into that. We need to be able to practice that as, as the family of God, as, as the church, uh, the people who are united in Christ, pursuing God's holiness, so we can do that in the world around us. So we can offer people that place of hope and healing that they so desperately need. And when I, so when I say, when I say that I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, I'm not saying that I think the church is perfect and has got it all figured out. What I'm saying is that I'm committing myself to Jesus followers, to those who are united with me in Christ to live out this mission of reconciling the world and its people to God. God. That I'm committing myself to you and that I'm I'm hoping that you're committing yourself to each other and to me that we join together to pursue God's holiness and to live out this mission that he's called us to be a people of reconciliation, pointing people towards Christ. Let us pray together. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you that in Christ uh, you have made a new life possible for us and that in Christ you have made a new way possible for us to live as people together. Uh, We pray that we truly might reflect that vision of revelation, that we might be a people of, of every nation, of every tribe, of every language, that we might be drawn together in Christ. We pray that we might live out that spirit of what it is to be the church that we see in Corinthians, that we can truly comfort one another, suffer with one another, rejoice with one another. And we pray that your reconciling love and power and presence would be at work in us so we might be a part of the reconciliation of the world, bringing your peace into all who are around us, offering them that hope and peace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.